Chapter 17 Stella had to fidget for a full week awaiting Bellamy's return. If you can call weeks at Paramount Manor full. Once she'd found an envelope for the money she had taken from Cheryl, and once she'd found the perfect wording for the note on the outside of the envelope, the hours dragged. She spent them trying unsuccessfully to make small talk with Thelma, disliking the food served up by the Fairmount Manor cooks, reviewing her plans, and trying not to drift away into some kind of grey-coloured reverie. In this way she awaited Bellamy's return to Daffodil Corridor. All that sustained Stella was the knowledge that time was ticking away for Cheryl's job. For with each hour that passed, her temporary replacement was settling deeper into her job. As well, Stella had to remember that because of the tripping incident, one could no longer count on Bellamy taking her usual shortcut through Corridor Park to her grandmother's room. The girl might very well desire to give Thelma and her cane a wide berth. Therefore, in order not to miss an opportunity, Stella had to walk back and forth from Daffodil Corridor through the office area and around by the activity hall. These were all areas of Fairmont Manor where she often got lost among the many choices and turnings. Luckily, it didn't much matter whether she knew where she was going. The law of averages only suggested that she keep moving. One embarrassing problem rose right away. As she walked about the place, she and Theo crossed paths now and then. Again, since Theo was famous for walking about Fairmount's corridors for most of the day, the law of averages compelled it. But after their second meeting at a matter of 15 minutes, she began to worry that he would think she was some kind of stalker. Which she was, but Bellamy's stalker, not Theo's. After their third meeting, however, she greeted him with the same relaxed nod that he gave her. So it was that two days later, her wandering paid off. She caught sight of the girl Bellamy as she entered the building. Stella had a sudden urge to call a fellow detective on a walkie-talkie with the news. Mad Cassandra for choice. Instead, as Bellamy strode past Stella without sign of recognition, Stella silently broke from her previous trajectory. She tracked the girl past the stairwell and around the unnamed area leading to Daffodil Corridor, where Mrs. McAndrew's room faced Stella's. Stella walked as quickly as her slip-ons would take her. Even so, she would never have caught Bellamy up, except that the girl always did move comparatively slowly on her way in to see her grandmother. So this part of the plan, the part where she followed the girl, was easy as well. Stella had every right to be in Daffodil Corridor, where her own room 34 was located, and thus must appear completely innocent of guile and superfuge, uh, which was lucky, because Ollie might overhear her. The big care worker was busy with his yellow trolley not far from Alice McAndrew's door. Stella inhaled deeply. She whispered to herself the count. One, two, three, 
Now, as she reached a point about twenty feet from Mrs. McAndrew's door, Stella called out, Bellamy, could you help me just for a minute? She readied her prepared follow-up for the sure thing, or of course, that would follow. But Bellamy turned and politely said, I'm so sorry, but I'm late to see my grandmother, and she's always in such a mood. Excuse me. As the girl headed for the dragon's door, Stella scrambled for an opposing play. Before she could come up with a single idea, Ollie approached them, and Bellamy gestured towards Stella and asked, Please, uh, could you give this lady a hand? And then the girl ducked through the door into her grandmother's room. Stella stared at the door as it closed. She felt thwarted to her core. Ollie said, Sure, Stella, I'll give you a hand, and began a clap. Never mind, Ollie, thank you, she said, trying to keep her annoyance under wraps. I don't need any help after all. In that case, I think I'll take a little smoke break. He patted her shoulder and walked to the end of the corridor. Before disappearing through the fire door that led outside, Ollie flipped a switch too high up for most people to reach. He disappeared through it, patting his pockets in search of cigarettes or matches. The switch must have disarmed the door alarm, because it didn't sound. A crack of light down the length of the door showed that he had left it just fractionally open. Alone now in the corridor, Stella examined the wreckage of her plan. How to resurrect it. When the girl would be gone in a flash once she had seen her grandmother. Without pleasure, Stella faced the fact that she would just have to summon the patients to wait a few more days until Bellamy visited again. And all the while, Cheryl's substitute care worker, Stella damned her as passable, was moving closer and closer to a permanent placement. Worse still, what if Cheryl took her Mona Lisa smile to another care home elsewhere in the city? No doubt that idle husband of hers would be itching for her paycheck. No, if the thing were to be done, then best. Stella bit her lip, but supplied the all-too-obvious quote. It were done quickly. She shuffled down to the end of the corridor by the fire door. There was a wall fire alarm there the sort that was a red panel with a lever to pull that would break a glass rod and then sound an alarm throughout the building. She had seen one of these set off before at school. One afternoon, a few decades back, a student named Robbie Belkin, aged eight, had failed to take the elementary and vital precaution of checking over his shoulder, and he had set off the fire alarm just as she was exiting the school library. So Stella knew that the glass rod was not much of an obstacle to sounding the fire alarm. It was there just to let you know that should you pull the alarm, the stakes would be raised. She pulled the red lever. The glass rod broke and dropped to the floor. Then all hell broke loose. 
Chapter 18 The noise was ear-splitting. It even seemed to ratchet up during the first few seconds after Stella had pulled the alarm. Taking a tip from young Robbie Belkin, she moved down the corridor away from the fire door. Then she fell back against the wall, feeling jangled to the bones. But the trouble, she thought she could safely call it that, had just begun. The corridor was filling now with residents who would normally be walking to their lunch, but were now heading in a mass towards the fire door. Walkers clattered and residents chattered. Meanwhile, behind her, Ollie had banged the fire door open from the outside, was passing by with a distracted grin for Stella. He dived through Mrs. McAndrew's door. Of course Mrs. McAndrew, as the song went, would never walk alone. No further than her washroom, anyway. Not if it meant leaving the McAndrew treasures behind. But Stella judged that the dragon would find Ollie's help more than acceptable in a fire. She was right. Here he came now, half carrying the old woman. And here came Bellamy, following them. The girl appeared flustered and was tucking her handbag over her shoulder. Making haste, Stella stepped in front of Bellamy, cutting her off from her grandmother. Would you help me, dear? Stella asked. Please, just let me take your arm, said the spider to the fly. All right, Bellamy answered. Stella caught hold of Bellamy's elbow. Walk a little slower, dear, Stella said as residents made their way around them. The wheelchairs were passing now, along with the slower walkers, as they headed for the fire door and, no doubt, at other designated fire exits around Fairmont Manor. But the fire, Bellamy began. No worries about that, Stella assured her. There is no fire. I pulled the alarm myself. I wanted to give you this envelope. Stella took the envelope out of her pocket and handed it to Bellamy, who stared from it to her. Meanwhile, the parade of residents continued past the two of them. Stella explained, On the outside of the envelope is a note that you received from Cheryl several days ago, thanking your grandmother for her generosity but refusing it once she knew she'd been given real money. I wrote the note. Inside the envelope, no, don't open it, is a thousand dollar bill. Bellamy opened her mouth to speak. But Stella, conscious of the swift movement of time, pushed on, speaking clearly so as to be heard over the clanging of the alarm. You know about the thousand dollar bills, of course. I saw one in your wallet the other day. They are quite a distinctive pink. I suppose you took the last one from the album. But now Bellamy had come to a full stop in the rapidly emptying corridor. She dropped Stella's arm and began, I don't... Stella shook her head. We don't have much time to work things out. Take the letter. I want Cheryl to come back. You don't want your grandmother 
to leave the rest of her wealth to the cat's home. Bellamy burst out. I wish she would. Do you think that I want to spend my life looking after those things like she does? The alarm stopped short. Stella and the girl glared at each other in the sudden, oppressive silence. Stella was even more disappointed in Bellamy after the girl's outburst. I suppose you'll sell them once you'd inherited them? Of course I won't sell them. Bellamy looked ready to cry. But I'm a first-year university student. I don't have any money. That doesn't give you the right... Now Bellamy was doing the interrupting. Let me finish. I'm a McAndrew. I know my duty. I'll keep the Chippendales and the Stubbs. I even love the prisms. I used to make rainbows with them when I was little. But I live in a student residence. You can't fit a quarter of the McAndrew things in there, and they wouldn't be safe anyway with everybody in and out all the time. I have to get a condo. But she'd never understand. They don't give houses for free just because you're a McAndrew. Light dawned. You've been stealing a down payment. She recalled the photograph album she had first found in the effects closet when all of this had begun. So Bellamy had indeed snaffled more than one album full of money. A down payment for a place to live and store the McAndrew treasures. Of course. Do you think I'm a thief? Stella shot her a sharp look. So you figured that the money would soon be yours anyway. It's not, you know. But you're not the first person to bend the timeline for an inheritance. And now it's up to you to make things right. And she took a breath. Take the envelope. Give it to your grandmother. Be sure she straightens things out with the director. Make sure you convince her that Cheryl is innocent. How? Bellamy frowned, but she took the envelope. Stella was running short on ideas. Still, one covert action should have been obvious to even the most reluctant and inexperienced thief. For one thing, use the brain God gave you and move the other bits of money you haven't stolen yet around from the other albums so that your grandmother can be convinced she was mistaken about the theft of the other many thousands. Bellamy slowed her pace. Gosh, you're clever. Stella sped up. As for the director, you'll think of a way. Use your youthful charm. But I don't... The girl looked ready to cry. Stella sighed. Look, Bellamy, you made this mess, and I've done enough already. Take my arm and lead me out the front entry. We've been too long as it is, and I really am feeling quite tottery. In silence, the pair made their way through Corridor Park. As they neared the front door, Ollie, clearly on a mission to collect outstanding residents, spotted them. Well, he hurried towards them from the front door. Stella thought of one more thing. She hissed, Listen, Bellamy, you make sure your grandmother still thinks you love her. Bellamy stared. 
She let go of Stella's arm. Fiercely, she said, I do love her. Wiping eyes with her sleeve, she stalked away. She was a McAndrew, after all. As the girl passed him, Ollie took Stella's arm. He gave her an oblique, amused look. Stella, best cell. You were standing near the alarm when it went off. Would you possibly know something about how the fire alarm happened to be pulled? Stella got a taste of how Bellamy must have felt a few minutes earlier. She decided that the young fire alarm puller, Robbie Belkin, had got it right. If caught, you had to play it cool. How crazy do you think I am? She asked primly. I don't think you're crazy, Ollie said. I think you enjoy making things happen around this place. Don't worry. I won't tell. Thanks, Stella said as he opened the door. Us outlaws gotta stick together, Ollie laughed. They stepped out under the awning to be checked off a master list only a few moments before the all-clear sounded. To her disappointment, she got no more than a noseful or two of spring air before he led her back inside.